Welcome back to Kings of Columbus. The Big Ten's changing. College football, you guys knew that. It's been changing. It's not like it just started to change. But Oregon and Washington are coming to the Big Ten. That affects you as an Ohio State fan because now those teams are going to be part of Ohio State's life on a regular basis. And I'm not surprised that we got to this point. Maybe it's surprising how we got here, but this is the world we live in. And Austin Ward is going to join me in a moment for us to sort of talk this out. What this means, listen, I mean, you, you guys are gathering the news elsewhere, right? You know this is happening. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for Ohio State? What does it mean for Ohio State fans? What does it mean for the Big Ten? What's it mean for the other programs? What's it mean for college football? To me, there's a little bit of like, oh, no, the West Coast isn't going to happen. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. To, this is a geographic sport in some ways, and in many ways, it's not a geographic sport anymore. I think the only geography that matters anymore is North and South. And that we are splitting. You're taking like the other two teams in the top half of the country that matter at all are now coming to the Big Ten with Oregon and Washington. No offense to Pitt or Syracuse or Boston College or anybody else who do matter, but you're splitting north and south. This is what we were headed toward. It got clunky getting here, but I don't think today is the day to be all upset about this. This is like, I mean, USC and UCLA started this. Nebraska started this. Penn State started this. So this is the culmination. And so I think college football is going to be fine. I think college football is maybe even going to be better in some ways. It's going to take some getting used to. One of the things we have to get used to is the use of the word conference. A conference isn't going to be what it used to be. It's not. It's just a, it's a term for like a TV platform for a network more than anything else. But I don't think this is the end of college football as we know it. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are mad today and trying to hold on to something that either is not worth holding on to or was already gone. So Oregon and Washington are coming. What does that mean? I want to run through all the people that are affected by this, starting with Ohio State fans, then Ohio State as an athletic department, the Big Ten Conference, other teams in the Big Ten, Oregon and Washington, the other schools in that conference that is dying. And we're going to get into all of that because it matters. It affects the football. It affects your life. Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten. We'll be back to dive into that more on Kings of Columbus after this with Austin Ward. All right, Austin Ward, I'm going to do a little politics here because there's nothing more than people like the people like the mm. injecting politics into sports discussion. And I'm going to tell you what my political philosophy is. And my okay. political philosophy is, are you okay? So whether it's the government, whether it's your conference, whatever, it's your neighbor, you ask somebody, are you okay? And if you're not, if your answer is no, then it's like, well, what can we do to help you? And if the answer is yes, then we together can move on to maybe helping somebody else. So I would like to play, are you okay when it comes <laughs> to conference realignment? So this is a big picture thing, Austin, but this is an Ohio State podcast and we care about Ohio State listeners. So I'm going to run through, I have a list of like uh, nine <laughs> different groups of people that I want you to tell me if you think they're okay. Now that Oregon and Washington are coming to the Big Ten. And I want to start with Ohio State fans. The people who watch us, the people who pay money for tickets, the people who dedicate their Saturdays to this football team. With this move, are Ohio State fans okay or is something going wrong for them here? I think that they're okay, Doug. Uh, and, well... They might be okay. They're half okay. I think there was a lot of concern. We talked, you know, in Indianapolis about the process here of retaining the importance of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, the game, putting it at the end of the schedule where many fans want it. We said, well, this, ooh, boy, it's getting close. This may not be there anymore. You may have to get used to that. I almost feel like who Ohio State plays in a conference schedule outside of Michigan doesn't matter that much to them. And that may sound like an insult to Wisconsin or uh, the Illibuck or whatever else, but I, it, the Penn State game is close. But anything else, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that Ohio State fans care that much about the rest of the Big Ten East Division as we've known it for the last few years. Uh, even Penn State, this is a relatively new uh, rivalry when you're talking in the 30-year window, um, which 
most fans don't have the attention span for that anymore, I would say. But um, I, I think that the number one thing that Ohio State fans, the Ohio State Athletic Department will get to all that stuff is they want more meaningful games. And I think that this will help accomplish that. So I would say they're probably okay in the, in the broad, broader perspective of that. They'll be less okay if this means that the next version of the Flex Premium Plus shifts Michigan away from the last week of November. So that's my political playing both sides answer for you. Uh, I don't know where you stand on that, but I think they're mostly okay. Very smart politically by you, Austin Ward. Here I am injecting politics into discussion, and you immediately both sides it right down the middle. Yeah, I know. I had not thought of it that way, honestly, and I think you are exactly right. Ooh, Michigan matters, and everything else is like, I don't know, it'll be fine. This is a world, especially in a world where Rutgers came in and the Big Ten said, hey, uh, Ohio State, you know what you're going to do? Play Rutgers every year. And every year it's going to be 52 to nine. Is that okay? Hey, Ohio State fans, do you like that? Do you want some more of that? No, you don't want that, but you took it. So a world where they were in the East playing Rutgers every year, playing Maryland every year, maybe fun sometimes, but still eh, playing Indiana every year. Indiana stinks. So we're already getting rid of that. So that's good. We're losing divisions. You're not playing Rutgers every year. They already gave up the Penn State rivalry as an every year thing, which frankly was the second best thing about the Big Ten for Ohio State. Michigan's number actually one through 100. Then playing Penn State every year is number 101. You've already given that up. Okay, well, that's a sacrifice you already made. So the idea that now you're bringing in Oregon and Washington with USC and UCLA, you're not going to lose any Michigan. You're already losing some Penn State. But if you're getting a little more Oregon, Washington, and you're losing some Minnesota, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Purdue. I, I think that's a good point. But the idea that it's so Michigan and everything else is sort of like, you know, the path to the to the playoff, frankly. It's just a path. There are yeah. flowers planted along the path, but there's a big Michigan tree at the end. The other flowers, they're different colored flowers, but are you're not that distracted. You're trying to get to the tree and then you're trying to get across to the end of the path. I had never really thought of the idea of it's all about Michigan and maybe no other conference game matters all that much. I think you're right. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, both these teams, Oregon and Washington were talked about as non-conference opportunities for Ohio state. Uh, and I, I think that the media wanted to cover them as well, but there were many, many Ohio state fans that wanted to go visit those stadiums. And, you know, it, it's still going to be a once every what, five, six-year opportunity. We don't know what that actual schedule is going to look like when they make it, but they were really disappointed that they didn't get to go see Ohio State, Washington, and Seattle, that they didn't get to go to Eugene and see what Outson Stadium is all about. Like th They wanted those matchups. Well, guess what? Now you're going to have them. Okay, so we agree. Pretty okay. And that, Frank, that's the most important thing. It's not the most important thing to the TV networks. Also, no. TV networks can cram it, but we know that. Number two. <laughs> The Ohio State Athletics Department. Now, this to me also includes all the other sports. So we're talking about men's basketball and women's basketball and field hockey and lacrosse and swimming and everything else. And that is not nothing. Ohio State constantly talks about the 1,000 athletes in the athletic department. It is the largest athletic department in the country in a lot of ways in terms of number of athletes, the money spent on it. You're adding two teams practically in Canada way up there practically in <laughs> russia frankly like this might corner the market for the big 10 on russian television that if there's anybody in russia who likes american college football they probably like washington it's a big audience <laughs> and <I'm> very <laughs> much excited for washington to join big 10 hey, huskies <laughs> i cannot wait for oregon game at rutgers what does this mean it's a lot of travel. So yeah. from an Ohio State perspective, but again, it's going to be four of 18. Four of the other 17 are going to be on the West Coast. When you think about the Ohio State Athletic Department, the logistics, the health and well-being of all the other athletes, are they going to be okay? All those people. I don't think so, Doug. And I saw a lot of conversation, and I know that the football decision and the broadcast deal drove all of this we didn't reach this point without football being the primary driver but like there was 
there were some people arguing, well, Oregon may want to stay in the Pac-12 because it's easier to get to the college football playoff. Like, well, that's not the decision that athletic directors should be making. That's not what they should be thinking about. And I know that that's not how Gene Smith thinks. Like, what's best for the football program? A lot of people say, well, that's how he should operate. But this is a program and an athletic department and a school that is very, very proud of the number that it sports of sports that it sponsors, that it does it more than anybody else, that it hasn't had to cut post-COVID the way that many other uh, universities have had to. These are the people that are most impacted. And I don't think that those coaches are going to be okay with this. The logistics of how they're going to have to schedule this, where they're talking about, well, maybe you're going to pick a site and you're going to go play like three games in, you're going to meet in Indianapolis and the field hockey team is going to play Oregon, Washington, and USC over the weekend. Like, okay, you're going to do whatever you have to do uh, for the betterment of those student athletes, but that's not what anybody signed up for that's not what anybody's used to it's gonna if you don't get all these home games and opportunities to play in front of your friends and family which in a lot of cases for non-revenue sports that's all you're doing it for that's not cool and i know that that people are going to listen to me say that right now and be like well who cares this is a football podcast what does it mean for the football program in ohio state and i certainly understand that but for your specific question i think this would have been the number one reason that gene smith and whoever's making the decision in the president's office would say, we don't like this because we have 34 other sports that are going to be impacted. So it is, it's, it's one conversation when we're talking about existing Midwestern big 10 schools, having to maybe go out, you have four West coast schools. We'll have a, another discussion about those West coast schools when your whole conference is somewhere else. I think I agree with you. And I wonder logistically the devil in the details kind of stuff. How mm-hmm. much can they do to lessen it? How much can you create a world where, yeah, we're in the same conference, but like maybe you don't play everybody the same amount, or maybe you, you know, every school makes a West Coast swing, or that maybe every every Midwest school each year for all the sports, you either go on an Oregon Washington trip or you go on a UCLA USC trip, but then the other schools, you just don't play that year. And we'll see in the conference tournament. If that happens like that kind of thing, I do think they need to be as concerned as possible with lessening the logistical hassles with lessening the travel for students with, you know, keeping as many games close to home as possible. So family and friends can go there. I think your your answer, I would agree with that you probably can't get to a straight, yeah, they're okay. But I hope they push as far close to it as possible. They have to, once you get all the money, they have so much, they don't even know what to do with the money. They don't know what to do with the money. They have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. You have to use that money to try to ease and soothe the logistical hassles that the, all these other sports are not going to be facing. Do you think they'll do that? Or do you think they'll just be like, have a good trip to Eugene. I hope you can take your calculus <laughs> test on the plane. No, and I think that that's, that's going to be the biggest challenge for Big Ten schedule makers because we're going to get to that with what it means for number of conference games and things for football. But I, I was thinking about this on a smaller but still large scale. So where I grew up in Wyoming, Doug, like the high schools are quite spread out. Wyoming is a large state. And it's difficult to get on a bus for nine hours. If you're going from Jackson uh, to Cheyenne, that's quite a haul. So what they had for a lot of, even at a high school level, non-revenue sports were like soccer jamborees. You're going to go meet up in Casper. You're going to meet in Laramie. And you had to play four games over a couple of days. These are the kinds of things that now you're going to have to take on a co- uh, college power five level, whatever well, whatever it's going to be now, uh, big 10 landscape of like soccer and field hockey and hockey and all these other things that Ohio state wants to continue sponsoring. You're going to have to put them in one spot and play games in short bursts and not in campus venues, which kind of stinks. But um, I I think that they know that that's already, they were probably already planning for that with USC and UCLA. And now you're going to have to do it uh, to an even larger, you know, a larger scale with 18. I'll tell you when the ACC like made the sweetheart deal with Notre Dame 
that basically yeah. said, hey, you can be in the ACC except for football. We'll take all your other sports and you can just do your football thing on your own. And I was like, why does everybody kiss Notre Dame's butt? This is st- they're actually right. That's what all this should be. Yeah. Have conferences based on every other sport and then let the football programs be on TV networks. Why does any of this have to envelop any everybody? Because I would guess we have like seven or eight more categories to go through on the are you okay checklist. I would imagine this constituency is probably the least okay. And it's all the non-football people who are directly directly affected by this. And if you could go back in time, Austin, would you just – and I, I don't know that it means that the, the football program is not part of your athletic department or it's not tied to the university or that it means that the football players are outside employees. or It just means that – Everybody else's conference stuff and football can figure it out on their own. Would that be better? Yeah. I mean, Doug, how many times, as long as we've both been doing this, how many times has somebody told you, boy, what we really want is to break away 30 to 40 teams. That's going to be the super conference. That's going to be football. You know, and they, at, there are people that say even the reason they couldn't do it in their opinion was because of the NCAA men's basketball tournament and the broadcast deal for that was so large. It was funding everything else for the NCAA. How many times did that idea get floated to you? And and why did they continue to drag their feet when this amount of money was sitting, sitting out there for football? Like, how many times have we heard it? The whole thing with, with college sports in this country is that nobody would build it like this. And if you could just tear it down and start over, you'd actually find a way for it to be able to work. And it's just unfortunate because the result is it's not that they didn't do it. It's like, hey. Just let mom and dad go on a trip. Let them break away. And it's like, no, we don't want to break away. But it's not that they're not going on the trip. They're just dragging the kids along. And the kids are like, I don't (laughs) want to go on a romantic getaway to a hotel room with a heart-shaped hot tub. But mom and dad made me go because they couldn't help themselves from going. They're, They're breaking away, but they're dragging field hockey and swimming and soccer with them. So they're in the back seat screaming and the parents are telling them to be quiet. <laughs> We're making a lot of money. All right, yeah. let's do the Big Ten. <laughs> they're making a lot of something. Is the Big Ten okay? Because I often have viewed at least Big Ten expansion more through the lens of the conference. Like, why would the conference want to do this? Less than through the eyes of, of an individual school that's joining or even the individual school of Ohio State. It's like, why would the Big Ten want Rutgers? Why would the Big Ten want Rutgers? We know the answer to that. So now the Big Ten is taking Oregon and Washington as an institution, as a power player in the college landscape, in football and in everything else. Is the Big Ten going to be okay? Or is this going to be a mistake from a conference standpoint to have stretched themselves to 18 and to now have four schools on the West coast. Yeah, I, I think, I think not. Okay. Uh, and, and maybe, and maybe or hopefully I'll be proven wrong, but this is, they've reached a point that is unwieldy in my mind. Um, they, they were beating their chest two months ago, RIP to the flex, uh, protected plus plan that's going to be scrapped. We have 16 teams. We like this setup. You're able to preserve all the rivalries. Cool. Uh, you did a great job with that, or at least better than I thought that they might. But now you're at 18. Nobody's tried to do it this way before. I'm not saying that they can't. Um, but when it comes to football only, now there's not really a way to uh, – seamlessly build divisions within a conference. Again, the nomenclature doesn't really matter as much anymore. Um, You're not going to be able to rotate through uh, every team in four years. So teams, you know, players may never visit these places or even play against them during their careers in college football. Um, Certainly they're going to make a great amount of money, but I think that they were forced into Oregon and Washington because of the discount, because of the collapsing Pac-12, whereas they were more proactive and they seemed fully invested in the USC and UCLA plan. And they had spent so much time and energy on and executing that. And this one was just like, well, we're going to have to do this. Sorry. Like that's, that's the outcome. And I, I think from everybody involved, there are negatives in every account. So it's not meant to play both sides with the RUOK game, but I think that 
you can see negatives in every single part of it. And for the Big Ten, I don't think that they fully, willfully entered this arrangement thinking it was best for them. So are they, is Tony Petiti fully okay with this? I think I would say no. I felt like this was where they were headed and that this is, they were going to get here. And I feel like the geography of the sport is very specifically splitting North and South. And Mm -hmm. we are going to be doing a show here eventually that, that leans into that idea with Northern football and that you're to, to, to me from that standpoint. And it's like the LA is like an honorary Northern city for this discussion. Mm -hmm. But you're bringing in like the other northern schools that matter, and you're splitting north south, and the Big Ten represents the north, and the SEC represents the south, and that's the way that you are headed for this. And I thought you were going to get here, and if the timetable is maybe a bit rushed, is not what you planned, but it's like okay, like maybe we're ahead of schedule, but this is mm-hmm. probably the end game. I do think the Big Ten will wind up being okay, and I'm not sure that they're done here. I don't know what the I don't know that the end game's 18. Maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 22. Maybe it's 24. I don't know. And then a conference is not a conference. And and I I so so I would say I think they will be okay. I just think if you're going to embrace that we are the North. There's a, a, a Southern way of football and we're a Northern way. And we want to be everything about that. We want to encompass that entire idea. We want to own everything that matters. We want that entire discussion to be focused on us. We want to run that discussion. I think that makes sense. And I think that includes Oregon and Washington, whether it was mm-hmm. now or whether it was in 2028, but the way it's breaking down now, maybe if the Pac-12 saves itself, but they all sign a new grant of rights. That's another 12 years, and now you're on a delay, and it's like, oh, now you're waiting on them again. Just jump now. I, I think the Big Ten can handle running the top half of college football, and maybe the timing isn't perfect, but I think it was the final result. Did you ex- – I thought – th- I've been saying this for a couple – once USC and UCLA went, I thought we'd get here. Did yes. you think we'd get here, or did you think, no, 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 there should be a very logical way for the Pac-12 to live, for the, the Big Ten does not have to add, 16 is enough, we don't need more of a super conference. Did you think that was very a much more productive scenario for the Big Ten? Yeah, I think this was, when this happened a year ago with USC and UCLA and that that bomb dropped, I think both of us immediately went on our shows at that time and said, well... The next logical step here is Oregon and Washington because you're going to have to have travel partners. They are are the brands that you're talking about that do carry weight on that side of the country uh, in the northern half as well. That's probably going to happen. Now, just because it was the most logical thing doesn't mean that I necessarily agree that it was the smartest thing. And And maybe I'm placing too much of that feeling from myself onto the Big Ten offices in Chicago, and and maybe I'll be proven very wrong about that. But part... Part of the reason that I say not okay, and then with this specific timeline, is that if you're truly going to own the North and you wanted to make the next plan forward, I don't believe in any way that Notre Dame could be excluded from that. It's always been Notre Dame. And when you take this step to 18, it feels like it's incomplete. Like it's that number doesn't make any sense. 18. Are you going to 20? Are you going to 24? Like something that you can cut into four makes a lot more sense. Uh, and and it, none of it makes sense to me if Notre Dame is excluded. So I, I almost feel like it's incomplete and like they're not satisfied that this wasn't the step they intended. We want to get to 20 and we want Stanford to come with Notre Dame. Like that's the move. You're going to do it in one fell swoop. So that's the part where I feel like I do agree with you. I think they can handle it and they have the money to do so. And, and I think enough resources and intelligent people. Like I completely agree with you on that. The only reason that I, I temper it somewhat is like this couldn't have been the plan, the end game, is to get to 18 with these two. It, it had to have been more, and it had to include Notre Dame. Stanford and Notre Dame equals 20 is like chef's kiss, right? I mean, then you're then you're all the way there. And it is yeah. it's interesting again, the the process of how you get there, right? I, I do think in the end, and I'm not exactly surprised, and I I have done so many podcasts over the years. I never 
I only ever say what I think. And I, all, I always want to be consistent in my opinions. My problem is I have no idea what I think and I can't remember what I say. But I think I'm not surprised. I think I maybe thought that, all right, USC and UCLA are coming. They're not coming alone. Like it's not going to be two. It's going to be four on the West Coast. So that part doesn't surprise me. Sure. I think we're in a general agreement on like, we can see how they can be okay. Maybe the exact specifics of how they get to okay are not what they would want. So let's move to the other Big Ten schools currently. And this can lead us into a more specific logistics discussion of how this is going to work from a scheduling standpoint and that kind of thing. I will start the our Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, everybody else in the existing Big Ten. Are they okay with by saying maybe other than Michigan and Penn State, everybody else in the Big Ten should be on their knees every day thanking the football gods <laughs> that they happen to be on a campus near Ohio State and Michigan. Otherwise, they might be the conference is getting chopped up and they might be the ones being left out. So I'm wondering if you think Minnesota and Illinois and everybody else are okay, but also, of course, they're okay because they still get to be in the Big Ten. And if you're not yeah. okay, maybe keep your mouth shut and take your check which you yeah. frankly are getting much more money than you deserve. But what do you think about the rest of the league? I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're talking about the ones that could reasonably stand on their own, right? Like that's right. That, that don't have to be propped up by Ohio state and then to, to the next degree, Michigan and Penn state. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Michigan is probably less okay with this than Ohio state would be. They've gone, and, and and I'm looking at this from the Harbaugh non-conference scheduling perspective. Mm. You're going to throw these challenges at us? Like they've they've gone out of their way to make it an easier path, and it's suddenly going to be a lot more complicated. And I'm not that's not meant as a insult or the rivalry or any anything like that. I, I think that the way Michigan operates its program, its program is fundamentally different than Ohio State, and that it doesn't seem as willing to challenge itself from start to finish as Ohio state might be. And I'm just looking purely at non-conference scheduling from that regard. So I think they can handle it. I think Penn state likes this part. I think all of them are in the same boat. I know you've written about, you know, some of the attendance issues and, and things like that over the years and how to make the games more entertaining. And well, it's, it's to make the best ones possible. And if you're trying to put a hundred thousand people in those three specific stadiums, I think you have to get rid of, of the fat that's on the schedule that mm. that scene. And so Penn state, I think, well, they're going to like that. The travel is not going to be easy going or coming from state college, happy Valley. We know that um, that's a challenge that people will work out. But uh, if you're going to make college football sustainable into this new era of technology and transfer portal and NIL and everything else, you have to make the, every game as important as possible. And I think that they've accomplished that. Uh, I, I do, I do firmly believe that that part, and I think that they're going to have to go further when we get to the scheduling part. I have my own pet project and pet belief of what they should do, but you know, I I think that the programs that want national relevancy that can actually and legitimately contend for a national championship should welcome this, and I think that they will be okay with it. All right, so let's get logistics. You got a plan? Call Tony, man. Well, Tony probably needs a plan. Tony! Ward schedule plan. Let's do it. Tony. All right. Well, Doug, here's what I... If you don't know, I have already felt like that the conference should eliminate non-conference games. Mm. You are... you. I'll, what do you think of that first? Then I'll, then I'll go further. I am dying for Ohio State to play Alabama in the regular season. Okay. So... Anything that eliminates like the Ohio State-Alabama game like in seven years makes me sad on the inside. The idea of like leaving one, I, I think Ohio State's been well served by its major non-conference games over the years and touching different parts of the country and getting to play Miami and Oklahoma and Washington and USC and everybody else. So completely gone, I think I would not be in favor of. But if you could say, let's keep one spot for the yeah. Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee or LSU game, and then we'll chuck the Western Kentucky and Youngstown State games and play an 11 game Big Ten schedule or a 10 game Big Ten schedule, I'm I would be a hundred percent there. Um, but I want to play Bama. You'd be willing to go all 12. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying as 
as a college football fan, as somebody who grew up with it, I don't think that this is the best because of exactly what you said. If you can get the intersectional, or even if it's just one one league against the other, uh, and the marquee games, Georgia, Alabama, in the regular season, great. But I feel like they're going to be more, much, much more common in the expanded playoff era. So I'm not as worried about giving that up, uh, giving that away up front. Mm-hmm. If I know that I'm going to get it back in the back end, and I tried to so. Aside from the college football fan part, I tried to think about it from what makes the most sense from the people that are now calling this the shots, which are, unfortunately, uh, CBS, Fox, NBC, EB, you know, ESPN with the, the southern half of this conversation, the television partners and presidents and athletic directors trying to make the most amount of money. How are you going to do that? Unfortunately, you have to say, what is the inventory? How do you control the inventory? I hate calling games that, but that's what mm. they're viewed as now. And it serves two purposes, gives the broadcast partners what they want. Uh, Every game is going to matter for a conference or whatever you want to call it race, which adds stakes, adds intrigue, brings in viewers. And I think it also makes it easier to then determine your champions, which in this system of nine and, you know, the flex protected plus and unbalanced schedules four games at home and five on the road and alternating back and forth. It's not an equitable way to crown a champion. You need to play as many games as against people in your conference as possible to do that. And I know that this is not the most popular answer for that, but I almost feel like it's inevitable. If you listen to those, you know, financial impact statements and they may not care about crowning the champion in a fair way, but I think that would be great if they did. And I, I think, Especially now when you get to 18 and you want to cycle through and play everybody, 12 conference games is probably going to have to be the solution for me. That's the one that I would vote for. So I do wonder how they can split up this 18 now. I almost wonder if they should go back to divisions. And I was joking about like a new 10 and an old 10. And yeah. people, you know, and if you if you had brought Cal and Stanford along and you got the 20, you would have 10 new if you count Penn State as a new and you could do 10 and 10. And it's like you could have the two coastals. Right. And yeah. then everybody in the middle, you know, the, the middle's a division. They're the old big 10 and then the new 10 are the two coasts and they can figure out how to play each other. I, I just wonder. One of the things that I find interesting is a way where. Maybe you almost create a situation where the big 10 has semifinals. Say you had four divisions and mm-hmm. the division winners play semifinals against each other and then the championship game, but everybody who's not in a semifinal, you pair up in cross-division games. So you know you're going to play a game, but you don't know exactly who it's going to be, but it's based on standings at the end of the year. I think you could mm-hmm. do something like that. You could have four divisions, two of four teams and two of five teams and figure that out. That allows the four West Coast teams to be their own division in the Big Ten. I think there's something there. You could go nine and nine and split it up. But I, I almost like that idea of late in the year, you're you're counting on the championship game. And I, and I like the idea, even like on championship game weekend, well, everybody else can play too. That's one of your conference games. It's not an extra game. It's one of your conference games. You just don't know who it's going to be. And then the bad teams can play each other. The mediocre teams can play each other. And the good teams can play each other. I think they have to get creative. But I almost think now... I understand why everybody went away from divisions. I almost think 18 with no divisions is weird. I feel it's like madness. now you you need to restructure it again. So I know people have talked about a pod system. They've talked like I think there's a solution somewhere in there because one big group of 18 and you're trying to protect some rivalries but not others and who you're going to play, I think now gets substantially more difficult than it was with 16. So what do you think about the specifics of that? And by the way, people, this is happening next yeah. season, right? It's next season. They're coming next, <laughs> next season. season. Is that right? Yeah, there's, there's not going to be a Pac-12 by then. So they have um, to flip everything. And everything they already figured out, as you said, is out the door. But I, I think back to structures within the 18 would be helpful. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And it's, it is funny that they've, they've built up this massive structure we're going to build super conferences well okay well how are you going to play well we're going to create these new things pods oh you mean like divisions yeah cool great idea it's really novel a new concept um it's almost like it was designed that way for years for a good reason but 
I really like your your scheduling idea. I'd like to marry the two of them where it's like, okay, you have 10 games scheduled and then the, the last two because you're going to have to account for the semifinals and the championship to get to 12. Uh, that is a, a really cool idea. I hope, let's call it like the, you know, the Kings championship uh, flex plus pro model. As long as you and I get a cut, I don't care what they call yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's perfect. I, I mean, I, Doug, I, I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't know what they should do. I, I don't have an easy answer for that because, again, I don't think that they were prepared for this at this time and to do it in 2024. I know that they weren't. Not a guess. They were, they were having a hard enough time structuring it to bring in USC and UCLA. And so, you know, 18, it just, the math doesn't work. It's more complicated. They're probably going to have to go nine and nine. I don't see any other way um, so that you can bring some semblance of normalcy to the schedule where you know that those are going to be eight there. And then whether you do two or, you know, whatever, one crossover, you're going to have separation. You're not going to get what they originally wanted, which was to cycle through all these teams and get to see the whole conference over the course of a career. Like that's not, I don't see how they can make that happen unless they add the games, which I, I selfishly, uh, you know, hope that they do because I don't think that anyone is going to benefit from Ohio State, Youngstown State, or Western Kentucky. That's not a knock on those teams, but the sport has changed so fundamentally that they're not competing for the same thing, and they never will. So I want to see the most amount of games that count, and I don't know, I don't know the best way that they can get there in the structure of geography or old versus new. You know, I, I like the way you punished Northwestern for sending them, banishing them to the new group. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. And I don't know if you have a way that you like best or not, but there's not going to be a perfect solution to that. No. And I think in the end, I think it'll be okay. It might be a while until it feels like that. I think there's going to be a lot. of, <laughs> And it's just one of those things. Iowa might not get to play Minnesota every year. I'm sorry. I know we protected nine Iowa rivalries the first time the Big Ten went through this, but that might not happen. So I apologize yeah. in advance, but also you're lucky that you're in the Big Ten. So deal with it. So that's a comp. I think it's a more complicated answer than is everybody be okay. But it's what we started off with, with from the school perspective, everyone's just got to roll with the punches because again, and I think it would be a fun exercise. Imagine that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 merged and and the two big conferences were the 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 Texas California Conference and the SEC and then they were both chopping up the Big 10 which is not <laughs> that is not a an alternate universe that is impossible i don't right. i don't think that's crazy at all i think it just it goes a little bit differently and then where everybody would be then everybody would be screaming oh i just wish we could have our conference so everybody in the Big 10 you have your conference so you'll be yeah. fine okay let's do Oregon and Washington because they're the two new ones. They're going to have a long way to travel. Will they be okay compared to what their existence was in the Pac-12? I think Washington is ecstatic for this. Uh, backflips. I think that they went out and they jumped into the lake and they're taking their boats out for a spin. I said, we made it. We're back to some national relevance. And that's not the real reason. The real reason is that they are bankrupt because they were trying to uh, rebuild and reconstruct their stadium. They took out a bunch of, of loans that are about to be due and they need the money and uh, streaming on Apple was not going to provide that for them. So if they had to swallow a little bit of extra travel to get this money so that they could actually still have a home to play games in any conference, this was a move that I think that they were begging for. And I think that Oregon was in a, a stronger negotiating position with this, whatever was happening with the PAC 12 and and the grant of rights at the last moment, they were the ones that could extract the maximum amount because of Phil Knight and their brand. Um, they're not a traditional program in the likes of Ohio State or Michigan or USC. They're a little bit new money and new blood in that regard, even though it's been about 20 years of them being on the, that national stage and competing, not winning national championships. So I think that they got a deal that was the best for them. And I think that they're both okay. Um, in fact, one is more than okay. And Oregon is nodding its head and saying, yeah, Phil Knight got us another good deal. We'll, we'll take it. And free Nikes for everybody in the Big Ten. Free Nikes. That's right. Ready. Yeah. 
Well, that's maybe that's Notre Dame's problem. They're still they want Under Armour, so they they don't want to be involved with Phil Knight. So I did a little uh, experiment. I asked people on Twitter how far is a reasonable distance to drive for a road game for a college football fan in a weekend, and there were a lot of good responses. The general vibe is something like I'd say five hundred to six hundred miles that you feel like you can swing that, and after that you're flying is what a lot mm-hmm. of people said. So I just looked at the University of Washington and compared how far its campus was to all the campuses in the Pac-12, its old conference, and all the campuses in the Big Ten. And I'm applying something here, Austin, that I think people talk about in recruiting a lot, which is if you have to get on a plane, you're on a plane. So if you're recruiting against somebody and you're recruiting a kid from Texas and and the University of Texas is also recruiting them, that's a real thing because mom and dad can drive to watch you play. But if you're recruiting against... Georgia for a Texas kid and it's Ohio State versus Georgia. Maybe Georgia's closer than Ohio State is, but they're both flights. So you're on the plane. So that's my point here. If you're on a plane, you're on a plane. Do you listen to one podcast or two? Do you go to the bathroom once or two times? Right? That's <laughs> what we're talking about. The University of Washington. Campuses within 800 miles of its campus. So I'm even giving you a little bit of a, I said it's uh, like five to 600 is really a comfortable drive. I'm giving you to 800. Do you know how many of the 11 other Pac-12 schools are within 800 miles of Washington, Austin? I would say it can't be more than four. So it's three. It's Washington State, Oregon, and Oregon State. And then everybody else, Cal's like 802. So they're just outside. So just three, three of 11, three of 11, you can drive. It's like a, from a fan perspective or like an other sport perspective. The rest you're flying. So the Big Ten is going to be one of 17. They're going to have Oregon. But when it's like, oh, well, how can Washington be in a conference with Rutgers? They're in a conference with Arizona State. Do you know how far it is from Washington to Scottsdale? It's 1,426 miles. Are people riding their bikes to the Arizona State game? Washington (laughs) is up in a corner. It's not near anything. So part (laughs) of the discussion when people are like, oh, I can't believe. Yes, they have to go far for everything. And one of the three close teams is coming with them. And and there's just a part of that discussion. And I think Oregon, Washington are part of it. But. Some of it is people aren't as close as you think they are. And once you get away from Ohio State plays Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, like once you're crossing two state lines, I don't know, man. And there's a bunch of schools already crossing two state lines in their existing conferences. So to some degree, everybody can cram it with their Washington Rutgers jokes. Because if you think Washington and Arizona is a little day trip in the minivan, you're nuts. Yeah. I, I think it's this uh, this belief that because they're in the same time zone, yeah, and that's not that it's not going to affect the body clocks. Guess what? If you're on a five hour flight, that's as you would say, a five hour flight. It doesn't change anything just because you don't have to change your watch or your phone doesn't have to update when you land. It's still a long freaking way. So I like that. That's that's top notch research right there, and that I really I really enjoyed that. Google I, Maps. I think, Google Maps. I think, I hope people take that to heart, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop making jokes about Washington playing Rutgers because no, that will Rutgers never joke, get old. Rutgers jokes are actually always okay. They're always acceptable <laughs> in any form. Uh, Washington, University of Washington, the University of Arizona, 1,530 miles. University of Washington to the University of Nebraska, 1,645. So it's Easy. basically the same thing. So I think bottom line, I think Oregon and Washington, as you said right away, are okay. Let's think about the rest of the Pac-12. So it was 12 teams in a conference, now four coming to the Big Ten. Colorado is already heading to the Big 12, and I would imagine that Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State also are going to wind up in the Big 12. And then you're going to have four leftovers, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. So let's take out the four teams coming to the Big Ten. The other eight, four of whom are probably going to find a home, four of whom are going to be looking a little bit, are they going to be okay? Uh, no, no, they're not. And um, I would try and like spin it in that they may be able to retain 
some intellectual property of keeping the pack, the Pacific, whatever Pacific number name and bring in San Diego state and Boise state. And, uh, hopefully Wyoming gets this, uh, credibility boost and they can get into the college football playoff when they win this pack, whatever by beating Cal and Stanford handily. Um, but I don't see how that's like Oregon state and Washington state are, pretty irrelevant as it is even when they were in a power five league this is going to push them out into group of five status and i I guess i would say that most people are probably like expecting that like casual football fans like well they're they're not ever going to win anyway so who cares um there's some part of that that's sad because we're talking about some historic rivalries like the civil war and the apple cup that probably aren't going to exist anymore that's we're losing a lot of things that were traditionally important, but the rest of that that pack number, no. I mean, that's that's about to be wiped away. The Mountain West and the pack pack four are going to have to merge, I imagine. And I would find that to be an entertaining league, but they're not going to find whatever the Apple deal is. That's going to be a fraction of that moving forward. Um, they're going to have to go begging for people to broadcast their games the way that the Mountain West already has with CBS Sports Plus and all these other random ways that you have to find their games. But so, no, um, I don't think there's any other way to say that one. Do you? So I actually think the four that are moved to the Big 12 might be better. I think Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah might make more sense in the Big 12. And now that BYU is in the Big 12, Utah and BYU are going to be in the same conference. That's going to be awesome. Great. Sure. And and again, so Arizona and Arizona State, I don't know. Why does it make any more sense for them to be in a league with Cal and Stanford than for them to be in a league with TCU and Baylor? I I, I think that'll be fine. So I think those four are as as good, maybe better. I think the four coming to the Big Ten will be fine. So then there's the four leftovers. So Cal and Stanford... I don't know. They seem to like books more than football. I think the universities will be fine. And I do feel a little bad for Oregon and Washington State. It's a tough discussion here because if they if they wind up in the Mountain West or you want, you know, you bring in Boise State, you bring in UNLV, you bring in San Diego State, would you rather and the hard thing is Oregon State's going to be good this year. I actually think Oregon State has a chance to win the Pac-12 this year. Would you rather be a bad team in a power five or a good team in a group of five? And we'll get the last thing we're going to do is college football as a whole. So I do Mm. want to talk about playoff bids, automatic bids, how we think that shakes out. But let's say so from a monetary standpoint and money matters because money is resources, money is buildings, money is facilities. And then those things turn into recruits. Money is NIL. Those things turn into recruits. The money affects the football. But if Oregon State's the best of a league with Washington State and Boise State and UNLV and San Diego State and Fresno State and stuff like that, as opposed to being at the bottom of a league where they were getting drummed by Oregon and Washington and USC on a regular basis, is that substantially worse? It's less money, but for the experience of the fans, the quality of football, the fun you have on Saturdays, the opportunity to compete and win and have a goal at the end of the year, is it substantially worse than being the 11th best team in the Pac-12? I think it's the difference between being a Rutgers fan and being a Boise State fan. Like, mm. Which one is more enjoyable? Rutgers has all this money. They could build a stadium, which they, for some reason, refuse to do. Um, we have to go to the same archaic one every other year as it is. Um, but they don't, they don't bring any fans in there. It's a miserable experience. I, I can't imagine that you know, the Rutgers fan says, oh, you know what's awesome? You know, now we get $100 million from our broadcast deal. That's so great. <laughs> Do you have a T-shirt? $100 yeah. million broadcast deal. Go Knights. Like, they're going to give $10,000 to every single fan that comes to High Point Stadium or SHI Solution Stadium. It's awesome. Like, I don't know why. They just they really want to reward us. They signed this new deal, and we get that money. No. They're never going to do that. They never have. So, like, what does it matter to your Rutgers fans if that's what they got? Like, the credibility, they haven't, they've been like barely competent in men's basketball. And as far as I know, literally nothing else. So, that's got to be horrible. Boise State built, built up. I mean, this Boise State used to be like a junior college and was an academic joke. The entire brand of that complete institution was built on the rise of that football program being the best team 
in a small pond. Like, be, and now with an expanded playoff, there's a lot. I would think there's a lot more value now. I, I don't. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but the playoff, you know, selection committee and the rules for they're going to have to change because the Pac-12 was going to be sitting there as an automatic and or whatever you know terms you want to use to get in. Like the champion of that league was going to have a golden ticket, and that's not going to exist anymore. So, if you'd ask me, I think those are the terms that I think about it in. Would you rather be Boise State or Rutgers? And I think the answer is Boise State. And so from that standpoint, then I do think Washington State and Oregon State and Cal and Stanford have a chance to be okay because yeah. they won't okay. be having to compete with Oregon, Washington, and USC anymore. And I think you can build a league on the West Coast that's similar to the American, that's similar to Conference USA, that's like the Mountain West Plus, a little turbocharged Mountain West. And I think there's a chance for them to be successful in their own way there. And the other thing I would add, and this, this goes back a little bit, to your discussion about if the Big Ten went to a full conference schedule, I think it should be emphasized, and I hope they can work it out. Washington and Washington State should still play every year. Oregon and Oregon State should play every year. Iowa and Iowa State are not in the same conference. They play every year. Clemson mm -hmm. and South Carolina are not in the same conference. They, they finish the season against each other every year. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I know when Oklahoma left, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State told Oklahoma to get bent, I guess, right? So <laughs> that's not going to keep going. But don't do the Gundy model. Like, do the our fans still want to do this model and right. do that play every year? You don't have to be in the same conference to have a geographic rivalry that matters to your fans that you play every year. We have a bunch of examples of it i would hope oregon and washington can maintain that is that pie in the sky or can they figure that out they can because i, I think at the end my belief in a 12 conference game model is probably not going to be adapted you'd have to carve out you know sort of with our king's uh championship flex premium plus model you know maybe you would skip one of those two weeks to build that in like Hey, if we're we're not if you have the right amount of teams where you can build in a non-conference, we're going to opt out of the uh, five versus five showdown right. in in Chicago. I mean, that's possible. Um, it's complicated, but all of this is right. Like, there's going to have to be more concessions made. And if you if you were trying to do that, this would be one of the first times that you would make it on the side of tradition and not just in favor of money to make sure that you still had Oregon, Oregon State, and the Apple Cup and things like that. That would be awesome. Uh, so I'd be willing to say there's room in my plan for considerations for that. Um, and I think you made a great point about the the Mountain West juiced up. You, you've got me changing my opinion on those bottom four teams that maybe they will be okay. Very magnanimous by you, Mr. Ward, that in your plan you are <laughs> making concessions because people have to make concessions here. And it would be great for the people getting to be magnanimous like the big 10 to say hey let's, let's schedule washington state we'll make it work we'll make it work man and washington yeah. like just chill out from having your money parade around the stadium <laughs> and call washington state and have them over for dinner and it'll be okay last thing college football college football writ large will it be okay and this is a playoff discussion but clearly not only a playoff discussion i think it's two discussions i think it's the playoff and how you determine a champion and all that kind of stuff and then it's your gut the fabric what this sport is, that it's a regional sport with national interest. And, and this is breaking that to some extent. I will say, I think the idea of six automatic bids for the playoffs still makes sense. I think, again, let's throw a bone to the turbocharged Mountain West. Let's not be like, well, looks like we're going to have seven bids for the Big Ten and seven for the SEC, and that's it. <laughs> I think we can be chill about that. And I also would not be shocked, and I don't know – it's just more games. I think we get from 12 to 16, maybe faster here, that you knock out those buys for the top four seeds because yeah. Greg Sankey in the SEC and now Tony Petiti in the Big Ten, when you're getting this big, before I thought, okay, the big in a 12-teamer where there's six automatics, well, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have three or four every year. An 18-team league, four is not enough. The Big Ten's going to be thinking they want five or six bids to the playoff every year. So I don't think that's wrong to think that because who are real playoff contenders in the Big Ten right now? Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Oregon, Washington, and maybe Wisconsin. And you're going to tell it's seven teams and you're going to say, oh, we'll get three or four. But if you, if you don't go to 16, then it's like, well, how is the turbocharged Pac-12 Mountain West hybrid ever going to get in? How is yeah. anybody from the American ever going to get in? How is that? 
you're they're not. And I think you need to throw them a bone. So we can break this up in two parts. We'll end with the feelings part last. The playoff determining a champion. <laughs> Will this be okay? Or is this going to get even crazier than it is now? Well, I think that I hope you're right that this spurs them to 16 faster than they were going to get there on their own. I think that 12 was the very worst option on the table. I, I keep going back to this. Like these are not math podcasts, but pretty simple math is easy. Eight or 16. Those are what brackets look like. They're very easy to figure out and who you pair off with the bias thing. I thought was just ridiculous and an unnecessary complication. I didn't like it from the start. I thought it was the worst option on the table. If they get to 16, I would say that's a huge win. Totally on board with that. You're going to expand. Do it right. Do it at the level that other college football teams are already doing, aside from the highest level. Clearly, college football has realized that it is no longer beholden to the bowl system, which is great. I think that they clung to that for far too long. The, I, sh- I should have been careful what I wish for, though, because one bad system was replaced by another, which was broadcast deals. Driving that's the now that's the thing now, right? They're gonna be making we're, the decision. We're officially longing for the days when bowls controlled the sport now that TV is controlling the sport. I think you might be right. I mean, I that's why I put on the Rose Bowl quarter zip today just to celebrate <laughs> the end of this era, uh, as much as I've mocked them for it. But you know, it's it's the devil you know, and then now here's the devil that we didn't, which is the television deals structuring everything moving forward, and they're gonna say exactly what we're saying. Twelve doesn't make sense. We want the four best teams playing, even if number 16 has no chance in most years. We want it. We, we want that game. We got to have it. Uh, and I think that the feelings part is, is difficult to square. But when I, when I put on the, uh, okay, I am a television executive. I am a, a president. I am an athletic director. Uh, I am a conference commissioner. I think they look at this and say college football will be strengthened by it. And maybe that's just sunny optimism and money that's painting that view. But I think that if this makes people understand the product as a little bit more, um, it's professionalized, right? The name image and likeness plays in this as well and transfer portal. I think that that will make it easier for people to embrace college football because it has been so unwieldy with the bowl system, with polls, with not having balanced schedules or clear pass even to win your conference championship. I hope that in three or four years we get to the point where like, this, there are things that you had to give up, but this makes it easier for people to wrap their arms around how to win a college Super Bowl, if that makes sense. I agree. I I like the idea because here's the thing. It was a regional sport, and now it's become a national sport. But when you nationalize the sport and nationalize the playoff and expand the playoff, now everybody in their own regions has more reason to think about somewhere a team somewhere else. Because if you're Ohio State and you didn't care about Utah very much before, now you might care about Utah because that might be the 314 game that you get in the first round of the playoff. This you all of a sudden have much more reason to be interested in everything else. And there is still going to be regionalism to the sport. It's not completely, completely gone. So Washington and Oregon are still going to play each other. I hope they keep their rivalry in that backyard. But again, I think there's not as much regionalism as sometimes people think. The Texas schools, the Big 12, they managed to stick together in a real way. Even after Texas and Oklahoma bolted, a lot of that regional feeling is going to stick there. You can't get more regional than Southern football. The SEC, it's like the most unifying thing in the country is an SEC (laughs) chant. My goodness. So they're good. There's some schools that want to get in the SEC. Florida State and all those folks, they'll figure that out. And I like unifying the North. We might even Bring make a show together. about it. That would be awesome. I like Ooh. this. I like the idea. Let's split it. Let's make it North and South, baby. Let's make this sport North. And that that's lean. That's lean into it. North versus South. This B1 way versus that G. way. B1G. B1G. No one does those. Like, let's let's do that. I think it's better for the sport. We're drawing the lines and it's two. It's not five. Now it's two and a half. And I almost like that. It's 
It's like head on. And then like kind of the Texas conference does its own thing. That's great. I actually think it's a good solution to this, but like the California stuff is gone. The ACC is probably going to be absorbed in eventually one way or another. There's still enough regionalism. The nationalism makes everybody care. The expanded playoff provides more opportunity. There's a bunch of games that are going to be on TV. And I feel like there is a little bit of a vibe in some circles on social media, mostly Austin. It's the squeaky wheels. I feel like some people think like, this is it. Well, college football as we knew it is officially dead. That this is the day. And I just don't agree with that. I either think it's fine. It's going to be different, but actually it's still going to be pretty darn good. Relax. Or it wasn't today. (laughs) The change happened. I don't know what you guys are paying attention to, but it wasn't today. We've been headed towards this. So why are you crying now? Do you feel like, have you felt a reaction from some people of like, this is the day the music died. They're going to be writing a Buddy Holly song about the death (laughs) of the Pac-12. My, my. Miss George Kleokoff guy killed the Pac-12. We have Larry Scott verse in there somewhere. Something about Jim Harbaugh leaving Stanford. I mean, what's everyone? There's no songs to be written about this. Yeah, and I think that that's a point that's worth making and and remembering in all of this, Doug, is that college football is unrecognizable since I started covering it 20 years ago. I mean, at that point, we were... Are we ever going to see... a one versus two in the national championship. Is there going to be a national championship? Oh, the BCS didn't quite work. What's going to be next? Like, you know, now that the computers are in charge, oh, we don't like that. And then every five years, something has changed. We are in the most, I think we are in the most turbulent, disruptive period in college football history, but it's not the first one. It's not even the 10th one. It happens all the time. And so there are things that I think are important about protecting with tradition and rivalry that's what made this sport great that's why people cared about it when it was a regional sport when it was a nonsensical postseason people gravitated towards college football they wanted to go to the games and be on their campuses because of what they were familiar with but the actual overall structure was constantly changing sometimes in ways small sometimes in ways that are significant like this isn't the first time even that realignment happened Uh, now this is dramatic and severe, but I think if you look at 1970 to 1980 to 1990 to 2000, you'll see things that were different for people every year. And guess what? You constantly adjusted. You still liked going to campus. You still liked Ohio State playing Michigan. Uh, and as long as they don't completely blow that stuff up and throw that out the window, college football will survive. And I hope and believe that it'll be stronger. But you can't get rid of Ohio State, Michigan, or else we're done with the whole thing. No, I agree. I think that's right. They're they're lined in the sand. And if you're longing for the old days, you are longing for a time when people said, hey, cool sport. Who's your champ? And it's like, well, that's a complicated. Why is it complicated? Didn't you have a championship game? No, we didn't have a championship game. Why couldn't you have a championship game? Well, there's this flower parade on New Year's Day, and so that's more important, and so we can't have a championship game. This, you kissed, he kissed. Are you going to burn that? He kissed the rose on his zip-up. You're going to set it on fire when this is over. I hate the Rose Bowl so much. I hate it so much. I'm wearing this so ironically. They they were the ones that, that were blocking all the progress in this sport. And this is better than that. It is, it is yeah. it, like this is a world where you play all these games and then you can't even figure out a champion and you can't even play the, the teams you're supposed to play. And you have a bunch of ding dong sitting at home spending five minutes faxing in a ballot to figure out who your champ is. That was not better. This is yeah. not perfect, but that was not better. So if you are longing for the old days, be careful what you are longing for. Because sometimes you can look back and you forget about all the terrible stuff. And it's like, oh, I remember when Ohio State played Minnesota in 1966. And it's like, okay, that was a good game. But are you going to watch Ohio State USC in 2025 or no? You going to watch that game or not? Yeah, I think you might watch it. So I think it'll be okay. So I just, I'm a little annoyed. I'm annoyed by TV networks blowing up the sport for content and sport, it seems. So they can cram mm-hmm. it. 
But I'm also annoyed by the people who are like, I can't believe this is happening. This is the worst thing ever because I find that just as annoying. This is progress. Progress is not perfect. Progress is not linear. But progress happens. And the thing that bothers me about progress, there's a lot of people like this, Austin. You live in a house that's on land that used to be a farm. And if you were anti-progress, they never would have built your house. Mm. But now when somebody wants to tear, you know, take over a farm two miles down the road and build a housing development there, you're against that because everybody wants the exact amount of progress that bettered their lives or helped them, and then they want it to stop. And that's not how progress works, man. So we all get swept along and we all need to do the best. It doesn't mean you forget the past, but let's not pretend we don't all benefit from progress. This, my, I'm podcasting in a place that used to be a farm. Without (laughs) progress, I'd be podcasting in a cornfield. Nobody wants that. So I I think there's a lot of that that applies here. And there are some, there's some hagiography going on on Twitter right now from the people who are longing for Nebraska and Oklahoma to play again in 1954 and I don't know what to tell you, but I think you might watch Nebraska, Ohio State. So that's all. So in the end, that's more OKs than not OKs through the course of this. I'm kind of surprised by that, honestly. But I think that's why it was well worth us talking it out and talking through it that way. Because the it's such a complicated thing, this progress that you're talking about, that we're talking about. And it's not going to be easy and it's not a cut and dried this is great or this sucks. The college football is going to be healthier than ever or it's dead. Like there are a lot of things that have to be worked out and they're they're going to have to get a bunch of decisions correct as well to maintain the optimistic side of what we're talking about here. But this isn't a move I think that signals anywhere near the end of college football and I think that that's that would be the number one takeaway. I think at least for me and listening to uh, your thoughts on that as well, but I'm glad that we had an opportunity to hash all that out. Let's not be dismissive of the people that are sad today. Let's not be dismissive of the athletes and the programs and the fans affected by this. Let's take all the resources, and there are a million resources out there, and help those people the best we can. But in Mm -hmm. the meantime, there's more okays than not okays. We appreciate you guys running through this with us. There's a lot more specifics to come. We wanted to dig in on this now and get this to you on this Friday. We certainly appreciate you guys making this feed part of your life. The podcast gives you everything you could possibly want when it comes to Ohio State football. So Austin Ward, thank you for making time in your day. For Austin, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Kings of Columbus on The Podcast.